You can turn in your Bibles to the 103rd Psalm, Psalm 103. If you're using one of the Bibles there in the seats, it's on page 595. I am grateful, Dave, that you picked out Thanksgiving songs today, rather than rushing past it to get to Christmas. And... uh, I think that's right. I think it's proper. Andy, last Sunday, I think, preached to you something about Thanksgiving. And so I just want to book in this whole week and make it a week of thankfulness. Not that today is a part of last week, but just a couple bookends that we not rush through Thanksgiving and just fail to be thankful. That we not limit it to a day, but that we make it a lifestyle. And so I want to talk today about having this attitude of thanksgiving, this attitude of gratitude, if you would, if you want to rhyme it together. We come from a variety of different backgrounds in our lives, don't we? None of us are, are, are the same. We, some people that are here are healthier than others. Some might be wealthier than others. You might be looking at somebody here in this auditorium this morning thinking, man, if I just had it as good as they've got it, then, then I could be happy and I could be, I could be thankful. But I've got all these problems I have to deal with. And I hope to challenge you a little bit in that thinking and, and to give you some reasons to give thanks today. Because regardless of the external circumstances that you are facing in your life, you have a reason to be thankful. And so I want to encourage you to develop this attitude of thanksgiving. Thursday was Thanksgiving Day. And regardless of what you're going through right now, I pray that you found things to be thankful for. And the things we look at today You can give thanks for them regardless of your situation. He lived from 1865 to 1936. He wrote the Jungle Book. His name was Rudyard Kipling. He was considered one of England's greatest literary treasures. He wasn't just respected as a writer after his death, but even in his lifetime, he was considered one of England's finest men of words. It is said that in his prime, he was paid 50 cents a word for every article that he submitted to the newspaper. Now that was quite a bit of money in that time. The story is told that there were some students at Oxford University that really weren't all that impressed with uh, Kipling's success, at least not as impressed as what you think maybe they should have been. And so they wrote him a letter. They put 50 cents inside of it. And they said, Dear Mr. Kipling, please send us one of your very best words. He replied with a one-word answer. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks is a good word, folks. In fact, it's a great word. But for many people, Thanksgiving has become a holiday rather than a lifestyle. A day when you gather together with family, you eat too much, maybe you watch some football, and then you get prepped for Black Friday and and the rush for Christmas is on. 
Oh, it shouldn't be that way for a believer in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, how do you develop, how do you get that, that attitude, that, that attitude of gratitude? How do you become that person who in any situation can overflow with thankfulness? How can you become that person that a coworker or a neighbor is going to suspect, man, they must be a Christian because they, they find good in any situation and they, and they rejoice. How do we find that? Well, I think a good place is the Psalms, particularly the Psalm we look at today. The Psalms have probably taught me more about Thanksgiving than any other book in the Bible. And remember that the Psalms are a songbook. It's a songbook. If I ask you today to name a couple, three of your favorite hymns, I'm sure you could probably do that. But today we're going to look at a Psalm book. And one psalm in particular, one of my favorite psalms, the 103rd Psalm. And the first five verses where David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with the love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm like David in some ways. David talks to himself. There are times I talk to myself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Okay, not a problem unless you start to answer yourself. Then things can get a little bit, a little bit weird. But David here is talking to his soul. And he gives his soul to commands. One command is positive. One command is negative. The positive command is, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. So praise the Lord. That command is repeated about five or six times in this psalm. In fact, it's the theme of this psalm. And it means just to be so occupied with God that you're just lost in the wonder and the awe of who he is. Praise the Lord. We use the word praise quite a bit, don't we? And I think it's one of those words that maybe it's easier to do than it is to define. Psalm 145 talks about praising the Lord. And there David tells us to meditate. Get off in a, in a quiet place and meditate in your souls on the good things of God. Another way to praise the Lord is by telling your children about who he is. To pass on from one generation to the next, you know, just the greatness of God. The things that God has done through proclamation, through prayer, through holy living. There are so many ways we can praise the Lord. And David says, praise the Lord, 
oh my soul, and all my inmost being. Now, the negative command is forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget all of his benefits. Now, how good is your memory when it comes to remembering every benefit and blessing the Lord has given you? Yeah. I'm the same way. There's no way I can remember every single blessing, every single benefit that God has blessed me with. No one has that good a memory. We tend to forget. And much of the time we tend to forget the things that we don't value that much. You know, Bonnie could tell me to pick something up at Walmart when I happen to be in Lawrenceville. And I may just drive right on by and come home without it. It's happened before. But if you ask me what the score of the Bears game was last week, I could probably tell you. You know, we, 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 we remember the things that we value. You tell the kids, what? Don't run through the house. Five seconds later, what are they doing? They're running through the house. Did they forget that quick? Well, <laughs> probably not. But you tell them, now the next time that we go and we get your haircut, if you're good, we'll stop at McDonald's on the way back. They'll remember that for six months. You know, it, we remember the things that we value. A man one time said, I really don't know about coming to church. I, I can't remember the sermon the next day. And yet that same guy could tell you who was related to who in a whole county for four generations. You remember what you value. And what David is saying here is you couldn't remember all of God's benefits even if you tried. But you could remember a lot of them. You could remember several of them, but not many people do that anymore, do they? Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 2 that in the last days people will be ungrateful. And that's one of the sins that God will punish. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says God's going to pour out his wrath because people were ungrateful to their creator. So we come here this morning from all different kinds of situations, all different kinds of backgrounds. And maybe you're looking around thinking, if I just had that person's blessings, I could be happier and I could be thankful. And what I'm saying this morning is that regardless of your external circumstances, your soul has reason to be grateful. So let me show you from the text five reasons to be grateful to the Lord. Here's the first one. You can be thankful today because God forgives all your sins. That's in verse 3. Did you see it? Who forgives all your sins. You ever thought what it would be like if he didn't? Have you ever thought, you know, that what it would be like for just one day if God decided not to forgive sins? And you're praying one day and you say, God, forgive me of my sins. And all of a sudden, there's this big booming voice that you hear say, no, not today. You ever heard God say that? Well, no, you haven't. And you never will. God is daily occupied in the task of forgiving you. He does it through the blood of Jesus. It's working to take away sin as soon as you commit it. God's good at doing that. And he does it through the blood of his son. You think your soul can remember that 
and give thanks? Is that something you can be thankful for regardless of your external situation? Well, of course we can. Verse 10 through 12 that we didn't read tells us as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Well, how far is the east from the west? He didn't say the north and the south. Because you know that if you go far enough north, you'll cross a point where you'll be going south. But if you start going east, how long will it take you to eventually start going west? You never will. You'll always be going east. He said, I put your sins as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, only God knows. Only God can fathom that. But do you get excited about that? We should. Horatio Spafford put it this way. My sin, all the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. So do you have a reason today to be thankful? Oh, yeah, because God forgives all your sins. Here's the second reason we have to be thankful, and that's he heals all of our diseases. We can be thankful for the benefits of healing. Again, that's in verse 3. Man can diagnose a sickness. Only God can deliver because man didn't make what he's trying to make better. Did God heal all of your diseases last year? And you might think, Okay, that, that kind of depends on what you mean. What is, here's an English lesson. Do you remember what the word, what an antecedent is in English? What is the antecedent for the word your when it says that he heals all of your diseases? What's the antecedent for your? The antecedent is soul. That's what your refers back to. We're talking about the soul here. David is saying that God heals all of your soul's diseases. Now, God can heal many of our physical diseases as well. And we've certainly seen him do that in some marvelous ways among some of our folk here at New Hope. But we're talking about diseases of the soul here, which is a much more dangerous kind of illness. Hate, envy. Bitterness, rage, jealousy, lust, the list could go on and on. God can heal the soul of those diseases. I've seen him do it. Maybe you have too. And I know that cancer is a scary word. Alzheimer's is a scary word. Selfishness is a worse word. Bitterness is an awful word. And God can heal us from physical and spiritual problems but the spiritual is the more serious. And God has said that he heals all those diseases. Have you struggled this last year with diseases of the soul? Because God can heal those. And we can be grateful that he can. Here's a third reason David said we can be grateful. That's because God redeems our lives from the pit. That's in verse 4. The pit was the Hebrew idea of the place where we find death and destruction and corruption. 
And the idea for the soul was that when you are redeemed from the pit, that God has saved you. Another word that we think about here is redemption. In that culture, to be in the pit would be to be in bondage, to be enslaved, and to be redeemed would have someone come along and purchase or buy you and take you out of that pit. The Bible says that's what God has done for us. I think it's the idea behind 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, where Peter says, you know it wasn't with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. When we sinned, we were in bondage to sin. We belonged to Satan. But God came along and said, I want to buy back my children from the pit. Well, what's he going to use for payment? Silver or gold? That means nothing to Satan. God bought us with the blood of his son. God redeemed us from the pit with his own blood. Now, can your soul be grateful about that? Well, I pray that it can. You know the people that are the most grateful for that, it seems are the people that have just recently been pulled out of the pit. Because you see this joy of salvation all over their faces. But for some reason, the older that we get, after we've been saved for a while, sometimes it seems like the joy goes away. And it's not as noticeable. When's the last time deep down in your soul you just laughed out loud and you thanked God that he has redeemed you from the pit? So what has God done for you? Well, he's forgiven all your sins. He heals your soul of all of its diseases. He's pulled you out of the pit. What else does he do? Verse 4, he crowns you with love and compassion. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And God, when he pulls us out of the pit, he doesn't put us on probation. He crowns us with love and compassion. Verses 13 and 14 in this chapter say, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Were you ever treated better than you deserved by your father? If I were to ask you this morning to turn to your neighbor and give them an example of how in the last year God has crowned you with love and compassion and treated you better than you deserved, could you do it? Or would you have to say, well, wait a minute, let me think about that. Could you answer it quickly? I pray that you can. And if you can't, Maybe that says something about your memory and what you value. You need to thank God for his memories because God remembers that you are dust. He knows that you're frail and he treats you better than you deserve. He crowns you with love and compassion. And you can be thankful for that regardless of your external situations. You know, the Lord doesn't promise us expensive things. 
but he does crown us with love and compassion. Here's a fifth thing. We can be thankful because he satisfies our desires with good things. That's verse 5. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you would love to have your youth renewed like the eagles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's, we, we, you know, that verse is difficult to translate from the Hebrew. The idea seems to be that it's the Lord that keeps a person young at heart. And we can't do anything about growing older. If you're with us one year from today, you're going to be one year older and your body's going to show it. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? <laughs> but that, that's, that's the way it is. Growing old is not a tragedy. But growing weary and tired in your soul is. The Lord doesn't promise us a lot of earthly things. He'll provide what we need. The Bible says the Lord will give us good things to keep our soul renewed like an eagle's ear. I think that's what Paul had in mind in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You ever met somebody that's old in body, but young in spirit? Yeah, why is that? Well, it's because they've got good eyesight, good spiritual eyesight. They choose to focus their life on the things that you can't see that are eternal, that are going to far outweigh the things you can see that are temporary. We've got some people like that in this congregation, and I thank God for them. They're a grateful spirit. I think they're people that, that thank the Lord. And I want to be that kind of person, a person that never gets tired in spirit, a person with a young soul. So let me give you three pieces of advice and draw this together. To be that kind of person, you need to acknowledge the giver. Acknowledge the giver. Don't become preoccupied with what you've received, with what you've been blessed with, that you forget who sent it, that you forget the one who gave it. Who gives things to you? Who, who, who do all these blessings come from? Well, God, sure. And it's good to count our blessings. But the Bible doesn't say to bless the gift. But it's more blessed to give. A blessing upon the giver. So acknowledge the giver of every good and perfect gift. The giver is God. Tell him thank you. And when we consider what he's done for us in Christ Jesus, those two words even aren't, they're not even adequate, are they? But remember to say thank you. Remember the giver of the gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, James, the half-brother of Jesus said, in whom is no variation or shifting shadow. Here's the second thing. Be specific in your thanksgiving. Be specific. Children can help us with this, all right? 
as we grow older, we tend to be more general in our thanksgiving. God, thank you for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. And we never mention a single one of them. Or we sit down at this large table of food on Thanksgiving Day, and we pray and we say, God, thank you for all the food. Listen to a child pray at the table. God, thank you for the corn and the green beans and the rolls and the turkey and the cranberries and the stuffing and the bread and the butter and, and oh yeah, God, the tea, the pie, the cake. and, and all. They're, they're specific. They name, name every single one. If they're praying for people, they'll, they'll pray for every single name in the family, every one of them that they can remember. They're specific. That's a good thing. Be specific in your thanksgiving. And I know that you can't remember all of the blessings that God has put upon you, but you can remember a lot of them. So be specific in your thanksgiving. And then here's the third piece of advice. Consider those blessings that circumstances can't touch. If you are healthy today, thank God for your health. But more than likely, as you grow older, your health is going to diminish. If you've got money or material worth today, be thankful. But understand it might not last because moth and rust and the thief are constantly after those things. And one day it could be gone. But every blessing that we've talked about today from Psalm 103 can be yours regardless of all the external factors. One man who learned this was Matthew Henry. That name may ring a bell to some of you. He was a famous Bible commentator. I have his commentaries in my office. But one day in England, he was walking home when he was met by a thief that robbed him. When he got home, he wrote this in his diary. Let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Thirdly, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourthly, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. That's a great perspective to have. And so I ask you this morning, is Thanksgiving just a holiday for you? Or is it a habit and something you do every day. You see, there is a way in this world to be happy in your heart and in your soul without everything on the outside being just right. And every blessing we've mentioned today can be yours. God likes to give presents. He's a lot like us in that respect. Or maybe I should say we're a lot like him in that respect. But chances are you've already started shopping for Christmas. Maybe you've already bought some Christmas presents that you plan to wrap up and put under the tree and give them to the people you love. You are the people that God loves. You matter to God. And did you know that God has got all of these wonderful presents and they're right at the foot of a tree? And all you have to do is to come to that tree to that cross, and every present that we talked about today can be yours. 
but you've got to come. If you have never accepted the gift of God's Son, He's calling you right now to do that. Come to the tree, come to the cross, let God shower you with blessings as you give your life to Him, and let's make sure that we are thankful every day, all year round, not just on a Thursday in November. Let's stand and sing.